Well, hey, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining me today at my little corner of the internet. Today, I have a wonderful friend and an encourager on the show. Sherry Seligson is here, and we are going to jump into the topic of faith and science and talk about how an understanding of our world from a scientific perspective reveals the truths of scripture. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I hope you guys are having a good week wherever you are and starting it off uh, by just enjoying the wonder around you. You know, Sherry is going to come on the show with me in a few minutes and she lives in Florida and I live in Washington State. And I told my husband last week, I have decided, I mean, I love the ocean. We have the ocean here too, but it's not like the Florida ocean, right? We have the ocean here. We have the mountains here. But every year about this time when it's kind of cold and it could, maybe maybe it'll snow, maybe it won't. If I can sit around the fire, I decided I'm a mountain girl. I just like to be inside by the fire. And Sherry and I had the opportunity years ago to go to Alaska. And I think I learned that there as well. You guys are going to love my guest today. Sherry Seligson is a 21-year homeschool veteran. She's got her master's degree in education. She's a marine biologist. She has some awesome stories about when she used to work for Disney. She's authored several middle and high school science courses, as well as instructional video courses for Apologia, which you guys know that I love. And her newest book, The Nature Truths Devotional, is out now. Sherry's also an international conference speaker and a retreat speaker, and she encourages parents in their homeschooling journeys. You guys are going to love this conversation. Hey, my friend, welcome to the show. Hi, Heidi. It's so good to be here. I'm so glad you're here. We haven't actually spent much time talking because my life has been so insane for the last two years. So it's fun to see your face. I know. Maybe another Alaska trip might work. You know, I'm going. (laughs) Did you know that? I didn't even tell you. I'm going. I am. I'm going to be speaking for the Alaska Homeschool Convention this year. So that's exciting. I I haven't been up there in years and years. So I'm, I love Alaska. It's so pretty. We were there last year. It was beautiful. And yeah, it's just the people are great. It's, you'll, oh, I'm, I'm glad. That's great. It's so, it's so beautiful. Let's jump into this because there are a lot of people all uh, talking right now about sciencey things. And I say sciencey, you know, in air quotes. Because we've heard now for the last couple of years, oh, trust the science. And I think people don't, you know, now science is whatever you want it to be. It's like you you and I were talking about a a few minutes ago, like, you know, this idea of subjective truth. Well, there is no such thing as subjective truth because something's either true or it isn't. Truth is objectively true. And Christians don't like to wade into science anymore. I think for a lot of reasons, right, the, the, the language has really been hijacked. Science seems to be more about opinion and conjecture now than actual science. But you have studied science your whole life, and you've observed something that I have observed, and that is that Christians really are largely afraid to study the sciences. Why do you think this is? You know, it's interesting. We're surrounded by secular scientists who are very smart. Yep. They have lots of letters after their names. They have a British accent and a goatee, and they sound... That's the best part. Let's right? be honest. The, the British or 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 the Australian accent. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I'm always teasing Ken Ham. I'm like, listen, Ken, people only listen to you because of your accent. Okay. It makes you sound smarter. I just, I mean, honestly. <laughs> of course. He is brilliant, of course. He is, he is brilliant in this case, yes. <laughs> but but we, we get intimidated by that for one. And um, as you said, with truth, um, not being subjective, when si- science is not a subjective subject either. Science is science. But then right. people interpret science to fit their worldview. That's the subjective part. And sadly, the louder voice that we're getting from secular science is, is, um, 
interpreting the evidences that we're seeing in a, in a way that is affected by their worldview, which is anti-Christian and really mm-hmm. in that sense. And so very little, if any, mainstream media is saying otherwise that, well, of course we know evolution happened. Of course we know, you know, let's talk about gender and, and all those, all those crazy hotbed topics. All of that is interpretation rather than the science, the hard facts of science. And so Christians tend to shy away, but we shouldn't be afraid to study science. And that's where I just get super excited because think about it. As a believer, God gave us this world. He gave us his special revelation in his word, and he gave us his general revelation in his creation. You know, Romans 1, 19 and 20, um, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God created and revealed himself. The invisible attributes he did um, have been clearly perceived. So ever since the creation of the world, so all of the things that he made were made so that we can see his fingerprints in creation, his creative hand. We should not be afraid to study science because if we truly believe God made everything and that God truly is upholding it all, Colossians 1.17, he upholds all things, then we should be excited to go and study the world because the more we learn about it, the more it reveals more about him and the more it brings him glory. That's what drove the scientists for generations before this recent insanity uh, was the desire to know the one who made it all. And by do, by looking at what he made as his handiwork, his handiwork that he did. Yeah. And it goes back to this idea of objective truth and the, the push of the culture to say that we can't really know what truth is. Uh, Jeff and I were just talking about this the other day, just the fact that the public schools pushing one agenda. I mean, they really do. They push evolution instead of giving their students the opportunity to uh, study the, the most quoted, most read book in human history, which is the Bible. We're not allowed to study that in our school system anymore. And instead, we have evolution pushed on us. And it makes you kind of wonder, well, what are they afraid of? Right. And we know that the Bible can stand up to scrutiny, that the Bible can stand up under the weight of science and the weight of uh, observation. And you just quoted that one of my favorite passages from Romans. And I'm always, I always laugh whenever I hear that passage quoted because I went to a Christian high school and my math teacher, my algebra teacher, I mean, Sherry, you know me pretty well. I'm allergic to math, as you well know. And uh, I'm a writer. <laughs> anyway, my my math teacher had me uh, in high school memorizing those passages of Romans because he was trying to point out the, the Bible is very clear that the natural world can stand up to scrutiny yes. uh, from a Christian worldview. And so I guess the next question just is, do science and Christianity oppose each other? Because that's what we're hearing really even in our churches. And when Christians don't jump into these areas, we're kind of saying we yield, we give up. We, we can't, we, we, if you can't take the, the heat, get out, uh, get out of the kitchen. Right. And I, I don't, I think obviously they don't oppose each other. I mean, that's the short answer is no, they do not. Um, oppose each other. They, they actually work together. Um, again, when you see the, the hard and fact truths, and there's a lot of evidences of that. Um, you know, for one thing, we are still discovering so many things in the science realm, new discoveries, mm. you know, there's that tendency to say, well, we know now we didn't know them, but now we know it all. And that's been the, 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 just the phrase from the beginning of time, you know, right. man says we didn't know, we, you know, we didn't know now, but now we know. And that is just so funny because we keep learning more. We keep discovering more. And so if there is a scientific uh, discovery that tends to look like it may not fit with 
creationists is because we haven't discovered it all yet. We, we cannot know all of the things that are out there. And science just helps us have a methodical way of observing. And so it's going to be forever until the Lord returns that we won't have it all. We're not going to learn. We're learning a lot more. And actually, the more we're learning, the more we're seeing testimony for a creator. And rather than happening happening randomly, things happening randomly without the hand of one who made it. Um, just back when I was in school, what, what was known about a cell, the simplest mm. thing, you know, simplest life form, a single cell bacterium, um, it was basically a balloon with a couple little things in it, you know, water balloon. And now we think we see cities, whole cities inside those tiny little things that were considered simple, the simple organisms that, but it's an entire, and now really more countries. It's really more like countries. There's all kinds of stuff. There's guards and pathways. And it's crazy the amount of stuff that we know going on in a single cell. And that supposedly popped up out of primordial ooze. It's right. almost absurd to say. And so I always like to tell um, families that life doesn't go from simple to complex. It goes from complex to ridiculously complex because there is no simple organism. And so um, I, I believe that God, um, God's word is, is in his revelation in creation coincide with each other, support each other. They do, they, they do go together. And I think we're, we're preventing ourselves from appreciating the awe and the wonder that God has given us. I mean, think of a sunset, you know, Mm. everybody looks at a sunset. Everybody loves to, you know, we, we go to the beach, you know, you come visit us. We go to the beach or, or just watching the sunset and the colors. I love, and- I love sunsets at your house, friend. I do. Well, I miss that. <laughs> I know. I, I am. I'm, I'll be at FPEA this year. I'm definitely Good. coming back. Well, I'll be there too. So you need to come. We'll do, we'll do I it. I will. And we'll, we'll study science. We will look at the sunset and we'll talk about that because here's something that's cool. You know, you see people go out and watch the sunset. They have their little beverages and they're, ooh, I'll look at the colors. They take pictures, selfies or whatever. Do you ever see a squirrel doing that? You ever see a, um, a dog go, oh, look at the, that's because it, the beauty is there that God has given us. We have an understanding of beauty because we're made in our creator's image. And so when God paints, he paints for our enjoyment. And so, yes, we can observe, you know, why is it creating the, the refraction of light and the, the different wavelengths of light to see the reds, the oranges, and yellows and purples? Um, that's, that's part of the science part of it. But then to appreciate that beauty separates us from the animals. We're made in his image. We can see beauty that he gave us to, to wonder and awe. Um, and it just, it, it just makes me so excited to get to talk about that. But that's where I feel like science and creation are hand in hand. They go hand in hand with each other. Wouldn't it be amazing if there were more people educating the Christian community about the scientific realities that actually reflect scripture. It would be life-changing. I think so. And I think that that's an area where our churches are not doing as good a job as they could. I feel like they just by default don't want to go there. Many times they just don't know how to go there. And I feel like it's doing a disservice to, um, to our children, to our families. Again, it creates that fear. Um, of wanting, not wanting to talk about it, not being equipped, or at least to be encouraged that all of the discoveries we have in science today, you can look at that from a Christian worldview and it fits with scripture. Just yeah, to know it's, that it's is beautiful. an encouragement. What are some examples? So there's a lot of people listening to go on, well, okay, well, 
Let's unpack it a little bit. What are some examples of some scientific wisdom that's found in God's word? You know, um, there's some really cool, uh, here's this, I love this. This is, this is probably one of my favorites. I was reading one day and, and I was reading in Job, which, you know, always a fun book to read. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I came across this verse and um, I'm going to read. I have it here. Job 36 verses 27 and 28. For he draws up the drops of water. They distill his mist and rain, which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. And so this is when Job is like, you know, woe is me. What's going on? His friends are telling him, God is great. God does these amazing, amazing things. Well, this verse, okay, this verse is basically the hydrologic cycle. So you may be, you know, you probably know you're a homeschool mom. You know the hydrologic cycle. Hey man, I, I right? got it. I you got you. It seven times already. I I'm did. Sure, right? <laughs> and so At least. most people know the, the hydrologic cycle where it's water in a cycle, cyclical motion around the earth. And it starts like in the oceans and evaporates. And then it condenses when it rises uh, into clouds. And then it, once enough cloud buildup is there, it begins to precipitate on land and runs into the rivers, back to the ocean. And it's this beautiful cycle. Okay. Well, Job is believed to be to written have been written about three thousand years ago. Scientists didn't even think of the idea of the hydrologic cycle until probably about the fifteen hundreds. A guy named Bernard Palissy came up with this idea, and it wasn't even accepted by the scientific community till the early eighteen hundreds. Okay, but here's Job three thousand years ago, inspired by God. You know, this was this was written. He draws up the drops of water. That is evaporation. They distill his mist. Distilling is condensation, forming clouds in rain, which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. Precipitation. It's the hydrologic cycle. It was already discovered, already explained in scripture. And it took scientists 3,000, 4,000 years to actually, oh, let's call this something. So we're discovering something that God's wisdom, because of course God knows what he made. And so when he inspired the writers, to write the books in, in the Bible, some of those were included in there, his revelation of his world. And so there's so much scientific truth in scripture. I mean, it's really a science textbook if you look at it with the right eyes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's so exciting to hear. I'm I'm working uh, on a Bible study for my women's ministry right now, and I haven't I'm not finished it yet. I always do my titles at the end, but I think I'm going to call it "Having a Creator Changes Everything," because when we understand that we live in God's world, and we understand that hey, like just like the hydraulic cycle, you just talked about this, right? It was already there. God already knew it. It's already been explained. It was that His wisdom was given to Job. It was written down in the Bible for us. And there's so many things in the world right now that even the church, God gives clear instructions and we disregard them. Right. But if we want to experience the blessing of God, we need to learn to live inside the boundary of God because God created us. He knows what's best for his creation and he outlines it in his word. It's such a thrilling thing to know that yeah. our our faith can stand up to the scrutiny of science. Yes, yes. And that's something I just, that's my prayer for 
um, students, families, um, Christians, because again, it's, it's rampant that everyone's afraid of it. Oh, I never liked science or I never studied science or I don't understand all that terminology. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have to know all of that to understand that, that, um, God's truth has scientific principles and it's just his creation. It's just the way he made things. You don't have to know the terms, but to realize that there are ways to observe the world and see God's creative fingerprints. Mm -hmm. That he's a God of order. What happens if a scientific discovery disagrees with what's written in the word? Well, again, it's kind of like we really haven't seen the whole picture yet. There's more to the story. And so you know, science doesn't ever prove things. And that's one of the foundational science science um, points that students will learn. Science cannot prove anything. We It's a method of observing what's around us. And so as we go through this, this organized method of observation, we discover something, we see something, and we, we create what's called a hypothesis, a suggestion. Perhaps it was this, or perhaps it's that, and we test it. And we go through this methodical way of testing and see if that idea that hypothesis is true or not true. And then we go back to the drawing board and try it again. It's a method. And so when we have a discovery that looks like it might not agree as Christians, we shouldn't go, Oh no. Oh no. The guys with the goatees were right. We, we, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not, my husband has a goatee, so it's okay. (laughs) It's like, I just, you know, so I feel like we, we need to understand that, um, that we are to be firm in our faith and that nothing should shake us from that faith. I mean, there is, there is a measure of faith to believe evolution as there is a measure of faith to believe creation. You take which scene and then you create this faith. I believe no one could be there to watch evolution happen. So what they're saying, evolution is true. We know for a fact, that's not scientifically accurate. You can't know for a fact, anything in science. You can't even gravity. We still don't know how gravity works. And yet you can't say, I know for a fact, every time I drop something, it's going to fall to the ground. Take a helium balloon and let go of it. It doesn't fall to the ground. There's, there's so much more to the story. And that's why I, again, we should, we shouldn't be afraid. We should say, wow, that's interesting. I can't wait until they learn more about that because I can't wait to see how God reveals himself through whatever that is. And it's, it's really good incentive or it should be for parents to uh, expose their children to the science, to the sciences, you know, so not all of our kids are going to be doctors or scientists, right? But like, for example, here at the Homeschool Resource Center, we've really put an emphasis on STEM learning and sh- and explaining to the kids the wonders of creation that are found in God's created world. This is his world. He yes. owns it. It's his universe. He yes. created it. And the Bible says that he reveals himself in creation. It's just up to us to uh, learn to uh, unveil those amazing truths about him. And we're still learning. I was just listening to uh, a news article, news, or a broadcast this morning, Michael Knowles. I don't know if you ever listened to Michael Knowles, but he was talking about the race for space again. So like the Chinese mm-hmm. are saying, we're going to go to the moon. And of course, as the Chinese often do, if they go to the moon, the, 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 uh, the concern is that they're going to stake the moon and say, hey, we own it. You know, now China owns the moon. And so now, you know, and who knows what, you know, what they could put in orbit around the moon, you know, what kind of satellites, what kind of spy equipment, all this. So there's all this conjecture, right, that I'm listening to in this podcast this morning. And it occurred to me all these years later, you know, long after Neil Armstrong, you know, planted his feet on the surface of the moon, we're still fascinated by space. 
Yeah. We haven't begun to scratch the surface of the things that, that are out there uh, in the universe. It's one of the things I love about the Creation Museum. If you go into their planetarium and they just go through the universe, which goes into universe, which goes into universe, and you realize I am a pin drop on, you know, the, the, the earth is just a pin drop in the scope of God's creation. Yet, yet. When you look at what's out there and you look at the requirements to support life as we know it, we are rare. We are unique. We are on a planet that has just the right Goldilocks position. Not too hot, not too cold. We spin at just the right rotisserie chicken speed. So we don't get, if we go too slow, we get too hot, you know, and then to the other side gets too cold before it gets to the sun again. And so when you consider the, the vastness, um, And then we realize our special location is for us. God made it for us. We can observe another thing, our, our atmosphere. We, of the, of the seven, uh, maybe there's more, um, I think there's seven known atmospheres in our solar system, uh, planets and planetary moons. Um, ours is the only one that's clear that you can see through. And so, yeah. And what's, I mean, that's so we can observe so we can see the heavens. Our position in our galaxy. Yeah, if we the were heavens like, tell the glory of God. That's I mean, right. he, that's a purposeful right. thing that he did. Yeah. Yeah. If we were standing on Jupiter, um, you know, we, of course we die, but if we could live and stand on <laughs> Jupiter, we couldn't know that we would, there would just be cloudy gases. Um, and then where we're located in the arm of our solar system and our, our galaxy, we're between arms of the spiral Milky Way galaxy. If we were in those arms. We would, of course, die. But if we could be, but if we were, we wouldn't be able to see what's around us. There'd be too much light. There'd be too much space debris. Our position is uh, is required to be where we are to see the heavens. So habitability and observability are connected, in my opinion. I, I, it's just amazing that that we are unique, um, unique position, uniquely designed, unique um, placement, so that we can see the heavens and give God glory. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my friend, Sherry Seligson. We're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to tackle the topic of evolution. As you know, evolution is taught as fact in almost all of our public high schools around the country and certainly in most of our major publicly funded universities. And yet the Bible, which is the most read book in all of human history, the most studied, the most quoted, uh, this is not taught in our universities and especially not in our publicly funded high schools. And so Sherry and I are going to dive into the the discussion about whether or not evolution can be refuted. It's going to be a wonderful conversation. Sherry is a wealth of information. If you want more information about Sherry, you can go to SherrySelligson.com. Also, her textbooks are published by and large by Apologia Educational Ministries. So make sure and check that out as well. I hope you guys are having a wonderful afternoon or your morning, wherever you are and wherever God takes you today. Love your families well. And I'll see you back here again tomorrow with part two of my interview with my friend, Sherry Seligson here at the intersection of faith 